Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. Many of the most successful people I know did not go to college. Now, those are just anecdotes, but it's going to go more from anecdotal to choice in the coming years. If they're going to be undertaking the debt, let's say as a parent, you can't pay for it. Let's say as a parent, you're going to make the decision to, they're going to apply for grants and scholarships and you're going to help out a little. But I think as a parent, you've got to help your children not just make good education decisions, but but make good financial decisions. And it's not a great financial decision for an 18-year-old who really doesn't know what they want to do when they grow up to enter into six figures worth of debt on something that may or may not ROI. And I think if we will acknowledge that a college degree is not a prerequisite to success or happiness in life, that we will not, as parents or as kids or as educators or as employers, determine that it is a necessary requirement. I've got Ryan Dice with me. You know, you sent me a note the other day um, through my producer about your views on college and they, they... they struck me as being very similar to mine, but for once I get to be the devil's advocate. I think people now in college, and I think you agree, don't learn the basic skills needed to survive in today's world. And they end up in the cubicle wishing they were Ryan Dice selling things, you know, in these innovative ways and meeting people and flying around and, and you know, kind of being their own boss. And corporatism is sort of leading to this world where everyone's worried about their job anyway. Salaries are going down, debt's going up, uh, automation's happening across every industry in ways that we don't even understand yet. The world's changing very fast. So maybe describe what what some of your views are. And I'm going to play the devil's advocate against you. Sure. Thanks for having me. I mean, the origin of this idea, and I I woke up, you know, I sent that email like four o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I woke up really early. Great email, by the way. You should always do your thinking at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's where I'm clearly the (laughs) smartest. No, but... um, I have a lot of, probably 80, 90% of the people that work for me are millennials, 
right? And and I had just been talking to a bunch of them the, kind of the day before, and and really like in, enjoyed the conversation and enjoyed being around them. And and on the drive home, I'm I'm listening to the you know the radio and everybody's talking about how oh millennials are so entitled and and it just struck me like for the first time uh, that this isn't right. Like why is this happening? You know why is there this pre- prevailing kind of just accepted thing that oh millennials are entitled and yet you know the kids that work for me are are great but i know that there's that they have challenges and what i realized is that the what the promise that was made to them the same one that was made to me and probably the same one that was made to you go to college you'll get a good job simply isn't true anymore and it wasn't true for them they weren't they weren't necessarily told a lie but they were told something that wasn't true by the way, it probably wasn't true. true for us because neither you or I do what we went to college for. Right, but, but there was, but it was still an, uh, uh, there was still this kind of um, social need. Like people say, "Oh, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school?" Like, right. like everybody we knew went to school. Now it's not always the case. Now many of the most successful people I know did not go to college. Now those are just anecdotes, but right. but it's going to go more from anecdotal to choice in the coming years. Yeah, and I think it's I think the college degree has kind of become the, you know, the little league per, you know, participation trophy kind of thing. And and so as a result, you don't have the value that's there. And I know as an employer, we don't even ask people where they went to college. So I just got to thinking like where is this headed? Uh, because and, you know, I'm a you, father of four kids, and, you know, and, they're going to college. And I'm sorry to always interrupt, yeah. but but you said two things. One is uh college is like the participation trophy now. So it's like Kids just for showing up seem to get a trophy. There's a trophy for everything, right? And and it's now as an adult, it's almost like you need to show this participation trophy to be accepted. But there's not much more value than that, is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's kind of everyone. It's the adults, you know, all the people older than us that are handing out these participation trophies and these di- and these diplomas, and, and they're very like, expensive. Yeah, they're incredibly expensive. And and you know, I, I remember when I got mine, I was like, okay, cool. Because I graduated, because yeah. you know I, I was there, but you know I, it's sitting under my bed, like it, it doesn't have, you know, an enormous amount of, of meaning to me it, because it, it didn't actually take me, you know, where I where it was supposed to or where I thought major it would. I made well, I majored uh, first in psychology, then in ancient Greek, then in uh, I tried to get into the business school but couldn't, so I I went into because communications. Greek is fucking useless. Yeah. <laughs> That's it was the C in ancient Greek that that hurt my chances for for so, B school. So the other thing you said though was that you don't even ask your millennials to have a oh, if they have a college degree because you're because and I think that needs to be uh, just dissected a little bit. It's because you care about skills more than a certificate. Because I know that there's nowhere that anybody can go to college and learn the skills that I truly need. And you're and right? you're in the basic bread and butter of buying and selling, which is what business has been about for exactly. 10,000 years. Exactly. But there's nobody who's coming out of marketing school who's going to learn these things. And, and even if a college were to decide, oh, we're going to start a digital marketing program, it changes so quickly that by Every the day. time they got the thing spun up, it would already be outdated. Yeah, like I like so, like Facebook ads, they changed their algorithm last month. So that changed. Yeah, you so can't congr- teach that So in congratulations. Class. What you learned yesterday is largely irrelevant. Yeah. So I just, what I, what I realized is that this is an issue. Um, and and I've got, you know, I have four kids. My oldest is 11. Um, so I've got some time to think about this, but I'm like, do you have time with four kids? <laughs> not, well, very, that's why I'm waking up at 4 a.m. to do my thinking. Yeah. But, you know, do I care if they go to college? You know, no. But let me do play, let me play devil's advocate. No. I love playing devil's advocate here because I'm going to ask you all the questions people constantly ask me. All right. This so, be so, 
uh, socialization. They they just they don't know how to be an adult yet when they're eighteen. From eighteen to twenty two, they get to live on their own. They meet friends that they're going to bond with forever and in business and so on. They they get to meet their peers. They learn how to be adults. So that's the first question people ask me. Uh, I mean, I met my wife in college. I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I think that to call certainly your first couple of years of college as like, this is where you learn to be an adult, I think is mildly absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best place to learn to be an adult is to go and get a, a job. I mean, you can socialize around peers in the workforce. That, that's what happens immediately after college. Yeah, because, what difference does it make if that starts at 18 yeah, you know, or if 19? You th- if you think about it, like from 18 to 22, if you go to college, you're still friends with basically all people the same age of you as you and mostly the same demographic. Like yeah, and we're friends and, and how old are you? Stupid ideas. I'm 37. Right, so I'm 49. Okay, right. we would never have been friends in college right. because you were a little kid when I was in college. Yeah, yeah. no, so I mean, I, I think the idea of socializing and learning to be an adult around everybody else, who's, it's like learning to, to drive a car from a guy who's also learning to drive a car. So I think, you know, if, if, if you can afford to send your kids to college and they want to go to college so they don't have to be encumbered by all this debt and they want to be, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an astronaut, you know, one of these kind of things where you do need a degree, then great. But to go to college because you're still trying to figure out who you want to be, that's a terrible place to figure that out and insanely expensive. Right, like like a lot of uh, parents say to me, a lot of devil devil's advocates say to me, oh, my kid's not motivated. Not everyone's an entrepreneur entrepreneur, my kid's not motivated enough yet, so maybe during college they'll figure it out. But I always say, why are you going to spend X amount of dollars for them to just figure something out? Yeah, go get a job. When I was in college, I didn't know what I wanted to be. So I worked in addition to going to school and starting my company, starting my business. So because I wanted to find out, I wanted to I wanted to see, you know, what do I want to be? I want to try different things out. And, and truly, I believe that, that that's, I don't think that necessarily everyone should be an entrepreneur. I think really most people, especially when they're young, go work under a master. That's how it used to be. It was apprenticeship. Yeah, and if you think about it, what changed is kind of several things changed simultaneously and we don't link them together. But what changed was from, let's say, the 1700s when, you know, like Ben Franklin was an apprentice and that's how he learned the printing business and so on and became a very wealthy man as a result. But what changed from the 1700s to the 1800s is the Industrial Revolution where the average person became linked to a number, an output of a factory. And if you think about it, that's when education changed to be numbers focused. Like we get a grade, we get a test score, you know, you get, you're, you're ranked and GPA and, yeah. and so on. So, so I think these things are all linked together and don't really hold anymore. It, it, we are going back to a world where real mastery is, is, we, is rewarded. We also, as a society, started elevating white collar and started really crapping on Blue collar, and that's being though, automated now anyway. Well, I mean, or, or being outsourced. Blue a lot collar. of a lot of the a lot of the white collars, a lot of the blue collar. When you think of true mastery, like an electrician. So when my dad graduated from high school, he didn't go to college. You know, it, it, he so I don't think that this is even this this idea of, of of apprenticeship is that old. I mean, it's it's existed in a major way for you know a really long time, and he never thought, oh, I'll go to college. He he thought, I want to get a good job. I want to learn a trade. I want to learn a skill. So he went and an and apprenticed under a master electrician, you know, and he started as a journey, journeyman and worked his way up. And these have existed in the trades for ever. But this I is how like, the trades have been done. It's just we we look at the trades and we say, yeah, but I don't I don't want to do that. But in reality, digital marketing is a trade. Coding is a trade. If we're really being honest, dentists they're mechanics for your mouth, 
right? right. We, we, have, we have drawn these arbitrary lines and we have declared that this type of profession is good. This type of profession, oh, it's because you weren't smart enough to do that over there. And yet, show me a craftsman, a woodworker, you know, and, and their skill. And, and put that against kind of your, you know, your, your person who graduated from, let's say they graduated from Wharton with an MBA, right? Which one truly, at the end of the day, could you look at their work product and say, which one would you have the most respect for? Give me that craftsman all day long. They've learned a skill under a master. So, 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 so another devil's advocate question is, look, you took ancient Greek, uh, for the rest of your life, you'll never really be able to concentrate and study ancient Greek again. And maybe you loved it. And mm -hmm. obviously there's nothing you can do with it, but that college was your last chance to kind of understand the, 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 the great literature of history and so on. Now, I don't believe it's your last chance, but how do you respond to, to that? I mean, it's just factually untrue. Um, I, I mean, as recently as like just yesterday, I'm, I'm studying courses, uh, taking courses on art history, something that I've always wanted to take. Um, I do actually intend to, you know, take up ancient Greek again. I was really, really bad at it because I had a hard time memorizing the vocabulary. But, uh, but I do think studying ancient manuscripts and stuff like that is fun. You know, like I said, I love, I love art. No, there's more opportunities than ever before. It's true. To learn like, these like, things. Harvard like, has made all their courses available. I mean, you yeah, Harvard, learn MIT, anything. It's freely available. I'll tell you, I um about five years ago or four years ago, I took a course. Uh, uh, a brief history of humankind on Coursera, you know the site yeah, Coursera, of course. and um, Yuval Harari, this Israeli random Israeli professor, was teaching it. Then he wrote a book based on the course called *Sapiens*. It became a bestseller. Mm -hmm. Bill Gates recommends it, and now I finally had him on my podcast a few weeks ago. And so here was this thing I never studied in college. I was able to study this like amazingly brilliant historical course on this online course, and then eventually had the guy on my podcast after he published his bestseller. So it's not like education dies when you're out of college. No, I think it becomes far more readily available. Now, what it may mean is as an adult, instead of watching TV, you take a class, right? Which people Maybe are doing, you, doing. Absolutely, right? But this idea that like, oh, you just have no time, that's horse crap. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got plenty of time. You know, I, I work, you know, and I've got kids and I want to play with them. And on the, you know, weekends, I'm hanging out with them, but I find time to learn. You have to make it, you have to carve it out, you have to schedule it. But to say that, oh, well, college, that was your, that was your last chance. That was it. That's just- Then you die. Yeah, well, okay. So, so, okay, another devil's advocate question. Um, I can't, I, there, there are two tiers of jobs I can't get without a college degree right now. One is the ones that, require, that by law require a degree. So lawyer, doctor, this is not by law, but, you know, astronaut, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but maybe pilot requires a college degree. I don't even know, um, like an Air Force pilot or whatever. Uh, uh, and then there's the second tier, which is I can't get a job at Goldman Sachs or, you know, kind of these high prestige places. I can't get a job without a degree. So what do you say to those people? I say, if you feel like that you're, if you're really confident that that's what you want to do, then you should absolutely go the degreed path because that, that, that is where that is today. If you say, all I want to be is an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, then yeah, there is a well-worn path that you would probably do right by to follow. But aside from those nine people, right? I mean, there's, that's like a relative, the number of people who truly want to do that versus the number of people who feel like they should do that um, versus the number of people who actually get to do that. It's kind of like if you want to be a professional baseball player, yeah, you need to play in high school and college to do this stuff, right? You aren't just going to saunter onto the field one day with your bat over your shoulder and be like, I'd like to try out. So these are, these are examples where, yes, and if my child, because I think what, as a parent, like what would I say if my 
you know, son or daughter says, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, architecture or, you know, engineering, or I want to be a doctor or a lawyer, uh, then I'd say, okay, we're go to college. We have the means to do that without you being encumbered by all that debt. So by all means, go to college. Now, if we didn't have the means, I'd say, great, I'm going to tap my network for everybody that I can. And I'm going to try to get you an internship, even if you're fetching coffee in a law office or in a medical thing, so that you can begin to earn some money being around it, seeing, do you like this lifestyle? Because that's another thing people fail to ask themselves when they're approaching a career opportunity. They don't ask themselves, do I want this lifestyle? They say, do I want to do what they do or do I want to make what they make? You really need to look at it. It's part of the reason when I, I got jobs in, in college, I wanted to find and, and talk to people who had been doing that career and they were old, rich, and happy. There's it, it, tons of careers, like Goldman being one of them, where you got a lot of old, rich, miserable people. Right. So I mean, I it's that. so true about lifestyle. Like when I went to college and then graduate school, uh, I wanted to be a computer science professor. That was like my goal. But I didn't know any at the time who were happy. They all wanted to be entrepreneurs or do something yeah. else. They, they were doing artistic stuff. Like they hated the politics of being a professor and, and so on. So eventually I, I actually was thrown out of grad school because I stopped going to class, but- That'll do it. Uh, yes, that'll do it. <laughs> and I started to really kind of model myself after, well, what lifestyles do I want to emulate? And not, none of them required a college degree. And I think that's the other point, right? So, you know, carve off the ones that do require a college degree. If you want to go that route, then yes, you need to make that happen somehow. But the vast majority don't, especially the vast majority of the careers that are up and coming. You know, you think about digital marketing, which is a which is a career today. Uh, you you think about brand management. You think about coding, project management, product. All these new emerging careers, you can get hired at really great companies, mine included, without having a college degree. They don't ask. They need to know that that you know the skills. So Sk skills and ideas are the currency now. It's mm -hmm. not just having and give a, a certificate. damn. I mean, yeah. give a damn. I mean, that's the, the you have to present all well. the things that I can't teach. Right, I can't teach give a damn, and I can't teach empathy. Okay, so tell me what you mean by give a damn. Tell me how. how do you, what does it mean you can't teach give a damn? Uh, just showing up, looking around, and saying, "How can I add value without being told to do it?" Mm -hmm. uh, so all the the fastest performers, you know, rising stars in in my different companies are people who show up every day looking for ways to add value to the company, right? And they'll come to me with ideas. I mean, there's you know Molly, who is our you know VP of marketing at Digital Marketer. We hired Molly as, a, as an intern, a uh, social media intern. She was working for a distillery and was a bartender. And two years prior to that was still in college. But Molly showed up and said, I really want to do this. I really want to try this. This would be interesting. So we said, okay, go try it. And then she did it. What most people say What'd is- you do? What'd, uh, you, what, what'd you do that caught your eye? She specifically started running Facebook ads early on when it was kind of difficult and complicated. But she dove in, figured it out, said, can I go to this training? Can I buy this course? I want to learn this. She, and she, but the key is she did it. What most people say is, I'd like to do this, so will you, um, will you teach me how to do that, but pay me for it today as if I already know how to do it? Mm. You know, she grabbed hold of it and, and ran with it. And yeah, I mean, Molly had a college degree, but that never mattered. You know, we didn't hire her because of her degree. We didn't even ask for it. Give a damn and empathy, like just genuinely caring about your teammates and the customers. Those are the two I can't teach. Empathy. Empathy, yeah. How do you define empathy? Uh, being aware of others kind of emotional emotional state, being able to kind of play off of, of other people, um, having enough understanding of how do they feel right now and caring enough to kind of respond accordingly. I feel like in your um, business, you're the guy who does that. 
and you know, not so much necessarily your other guys, <laughs> but that's okay if one person does it. Yeah, it's it's got to be there somewhere, mm-hmm. right? We can never forget that we get paid um, to move people from less desirable before states to more desirable after states. So if you cannot empathize with where they are, which doesn't simply mean acknowledging, right? It means really getting down in it with them. So they go, okay, yeah, I believe that you're a worthy guide. I believe that you're someone who can take me out. I trust you to do that. Then a- absent that, then, then you're just kind of ad speak. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests? And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I am so glad you convinced me that the family car should be the Defender 110. It is so beautiful inside. It's so comfortable and it just feels indestructible. Yes, it really is. I've been waiting a long time for the new model to come out. The Defender 110, I'm telling you, it's my favorite car of all times. It's my third one. You know, I have stories of going off road. The guy managed the group. He was like, what are you doing in this beautiful car? I'm like, I'm going off road. He's like, are you sure? Because you can use one of ours. And then they look like Mad Max cars. I'm like, no, 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 no. we're going to do this. And he was shocked. Wow. Well, it's great because the Defender has been reimagined for 21st century adventure and its unparalleled off-road ability, as well as its robust interior, are invaluable whether you're headed towards uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration. The Defender 110 tackles challenging surroundings with absolute confidence. The SUV conveys strength outside and in, featuring peerless technology like an intuitive driver display and an award-winning infotainment system. That's my favorite part, to keep you connected no matter where the journey takes you. Adventure is unique to everyone, and so is the Defender. Choose from the two-door Defender 90, the four-door Defender 110, 
or the larger Defender 130 with the ability to seat up to eight passengers, you'll find uncompromising performance in all three. So pack up and go even further with the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use him for now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it, hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's hims.com slash James for your personalized treatment options, hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. So let me play devil's advocate there. At college, did she learn the skills to learn? So she could then pick up the Facebook, figure out, okay, I need to learn Facebook. Here's the steps I need to take because I learned these steps in college. I Did you learn that in college? I didn't. I, I learned to cram for tests and retain knowledge long enough to pass it. To pass that test. Right. So you learned you learned how to memorize. Yeah. And, I, I and don't pass. feel like I mean I can't speak to her college experience, but I know I didn't. Right. I, I think what is learning to learn? Learning to learn is is actually focusing on on a subject, and usually that requires. A, a bit of interest, like it's easier to focus on things that we're that we're sincerely interested in, and give a damn, caring, right? Wanting to do a good job, desiring to do a good job, not just some kind of innate. I have a process for this kind of thing. So, so let me ask your advice on something. So, I wrote about this concept of not going to college, how it was a waste of both time and money, and it wasn't going to be necessary in the future. I wrote about this. I want to say 12 years ago in a column in the Financial Times. And at that time, nobody was speaking about it and everybody trashed me. And then I wrote a book, uh, 40 Alternatives to College, uploaded it to Amazon, self-published it. It was the number one book for college, was a, was a book about not going to college. Perfect. And um, uh, and so my kids know my opinion, but I have an 18-year-old daughter now. She's a senior in high school. All her friends are going to college. What do I... She doesn't quite... She could articulate why she wants to go to college and I could poke holes in it all day long, but it's never going to get across to her like 18-year-olds are 18-year-olds. Right. So what what advice, if any, would you have for me to kind of 
maybe steer her away from the way she's thinking? Because I can't just directly tell her, no, you're not going to do what you want to do, even though you're an adult. Yeah, so I'm giving right now, so we're, I'm actually giving you parenting advice right now. Yeah, yeah. Is that what's happening now to the yeah, people listening? This, yeah. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, so you can send the, two, the therapy two fathers, bills to me okay, later clearly on. None of them, all, all yeah. the mothers listening are thinking like, these two guys are just, about to just talk bullshit right the now. The collective head shaking <laughs> has, has, has begun. No, I uh, really, I, I'll, I'll use my own children as an example. If they said, I really want to go to college, okay, why? Like, let's evaluate the desired okay, result. I'll tell her what she says. Okay. Well, all my friends are going. I feel I can't get a job without it. Even though I can explain that's not true. Right. She believes her own thing. Yeah. And, and then she switched up a little bit. She's smart. Mm. She says, I want to be a neuroscientist. She's never expressed an interest in neuroscience in her entire yeah. life. But she's like, maybe I'm thinking to myself, she's thinking, oh, daddy will accept that as a reason. So if my... I'm picturing, you know, one of my daughters looking at me and saying, "Daddy, I want to be a neuroscientist. Will you send me to college?" And I would do it in a second uh, because I- I'm not going to tell, you know, my daughter that I think you're lying to me. Right. Um, and the reality is, if you want to be a neuroscience, you have a neuroscientist. You have no choice but to go to college. So, She's I'm going to be of limited help to you right here because <laughs> that's the one. That's the one thing to me. Like that's the trump card. If if a kid says, "I really want to do this thing," but what I would say is, "That's fine." We will begin this process, but in addition to going to college, you will also have a you will also get a part time job internship, uh, preferably paid, but free is fine. You will begin working in that field that you would like to go into, and I want you to tell me if you're really enjoying it. All right. Uh, so I, I, like I would that. I would apply those you know those those two principles to it. And say I'm, we're going to be taking this money, and every dollar that you make is going to go towards paying towards this education. I'm going to also try to steer her at least a little bit towards a gap year, but we'll we'll see. We'll see yeah, what happens. Or, or maybe, yeah, I, I could also make an argument. You know, I remember uh, my, a, a friend of mine, his, uh, they got, they got married and, and uh, his father, now father-in-law at the time, you know, future father-in-law said, look, here's the deal, guys. I can either spend like a hundred grand on a wedding or I'll just give you $50,000 cash and you can go like elope somewhere. You'll have more money for yourselves and I won't spend as much, and it'll probably be better for all involved. And they took the 50 grand. To be fair, I've been also hinting at that, and she has told me, and this is an interesting, uh, another devil's advocate thing, she told me, I I basically offered her the Altucher Fellowship, Mm -hmm. which is like, I'll I'll pay her to spend a year doing whatever she wants and writing a book of essays. She's got to publish a book of essays, and I'll help her publish it. And I think she's she's a good writer for her age and could learn to be better. Um, so, I, but, but she came back at me and said, I would think about this, but I feel like I need a little more structure in, in my, in my life. She's telling me this. So. You the reality is you were screwed from the beginning because it's your daughter. <laughs> right. So she's going to be smart and all kids are going to rebel at 18. And so they, ha- they can't help but take the opposing position to their parents. So just and, accept the fact that you're screwed. It, it's true. And they're so <laughs> clever how they do it because They've spent more time studying you than you have been studying ah, them. <laughs> it's like the squirrel trying to like climb the pole to get up to the you know the bird feeder thing. Like they all, all they have they have all day to right. figure that thing out. They right. got think about how much time your eighteen year old daughter has compared to you, right. right? She's got all the time in the world to ponder this stuff. So yeah, no, but I mean, I, I think the bigger lesson is, I mean, for, from what I would do from a tactical standpoint, if if you say I want to go to college because I want to do this thing, that's fine, but you have to work in there at the same time. We will get you the job. We'll get it set up, free, paid, whatever. You have to experience the two at the same time, because I I don't want to pay for something, and uh, and and especially if they're going to be undertaking the debt. Let's say as a parent, 
you can't pay for it. Let's say as a parent, you're going to make the decision to, they're going to apply for grants and scholarships and you're going to help out a little. But I think as a parent, you've got to help your children not just make good education decisions, but but make good financial decisions. And it's not a great financial decision for an 18-year-old who really doesn't know what they want to do when they grow up to enter into six figures worth of debt on something that may or may not ROI. I mean, think about it. Like you have four kids. Let's say you pay for, take out the debt equation for a second, which is which is really crazy. I mean, there's $1.6 trillion in student loan debt now. For You have four kids. You could be spending up to a million dollars on their educations, which is like, you know, close to 2 million pre-tax. Like you have to make a lot of money to mm-hmm. send four kids to, you know, a school that might not be worth it to them. Yeah, which is why. Uh, if they want to go, I will I will support them in that. But they need to be working that field. And when they say, I don't know what I want to do, or uh, maybe this isn't the best idea, cool. Then you're not, you're done. We're not paying for that anymore. Right. Right. You can That's go and work. You can come work that. for me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty heartless when it comes to uh, to my children. No, I think it's, it, I believe that it is really the best, you know, the best thing for them. Uh, because I don't want, and I'm, I wouldn't ask them to to take on that debt. Right. But I don't want to take on that debt. You know, look, you're not the only one in this family. There's three more of you, right? Plus there's me and, you know, your mom and all other things that we would like to do with this. So you don't just get to arbitrarily decide that because you want to go to a four-year-long summer camp to find yourself that I got to be out of, you know, 250 grand. Like that just isn't how life works. And I think if we will acknowledge that a college degree is not a prerequisite to success or happiness in life, that we will not, as parents or as kids or as educators or as employers, determine that it is a necessary requirement. So I think I think ten years ago, um, like I said before, it would probably would have been hard for us to have this discussion. Even I think the good thing is these discussions are happening. Online courses are 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 actually great. Like there are great online courses, just as good as any college course or better. And also, many college curriculums are completely online. Like MIT is completely, yep. you know. The, cl- the classes are videotaped, the homework's online, the tests online, they're graded. You can do everything MIT, uh, MIT online except get the degree itself and you can do it for free. So there's a lot of these opportunities out there. These discussions are, are happening. I hope people are listening. But when do you think, how long do you think it'll take before this is actually back to normal? Meaning yeah. you don't have to go to college. I think someone needs to step up and fill the, and fill the gap in, in terms of who is going to take on the burden of education. Because right now we're asking kids to do that. They clearly can't afford it. We're asking parents to do it. They absolutely can't afford it in most cases. And they're scared. Parents are scared because other parents are sending their kids to college. Their kids are begging. You know, it's just still part of the structure. Yeah, it sucks. It it really is. Like, I mean, I deal with it now with with four kids, literally with summer camp. You know, there's some parents that can that can afford to kids to send their kids to summer camp and there's some parents where it's really a stretch but you know they'll they'll do really difficult things so that they can send their kids to summer camp because they want them to have that experience but really they don't want to see their status reduced and now you fast forward 10 years and these 8 year olds are 18 and they're making the same decision with the same motivations about college for you know just tack on an extra couple of zeros yeah, to that couple and, of zeros. And, and it's awful so it's not the kids it's not the parents the government Long term, if you, I don't believe that's sustainable. You know, with I don't want to get overly political, but the idea that you know the government should pay for everybody to go to college just sounds really expensive, and then it becomes the ultimate participation trophy. Uh, so I'm not, I don't see that as a solution. I think the only one who's left uh, are really the businesses, and I believe that 
businesses, business owners like myself, like you, uh, people who hire people, I believe that that we should carry more of the burden of education on our on our backs. And if we're willing to make that investment, we'll recruit and retain some of the smartest people in the world. What do you mean burden of education? So let's let's think about this practically. Like, are you saying you'll take actual uh, time and as you say, you know, one buys the other. Will you take actual time and money responsibility to uh, be a part of someone's educational process? Yeah. So we'll we'll run internship programs over, over the summer, right? That could extend into the into the year where we'll and it's a paid internship where it's come in. We have zero expectation of you actually adding any value in your time here. We hope that you do. But it'll but take general, away time from your employees. We're going to teach this stuff. Yeah, it's going to take away time from us. Our employees are going to need to invest. We're paying money for employees that are delivering no, no value. They leave learning a skill. They leave with, with some but, type of, of certification. But why would you do that if it, if it hurts? Like just speaking from a capitalist point of view, why would you do that if it hurts your business? Because it's going to take your employees away from time with you. Because that's how I got Molly. Because that's how I got Amber. Because I could go down the list of some of our best performers and they came through that channel. Uh, it is actually far less expensive as a business to uh, hire smart people with give a damn, with some empathy, which you can't interview for. Mm-hmm. Like you, can, you can detect that. Um, bring them in and teach them what they need to know to, to do a good job. If, if they stay... Now you've got someone that you know has a much better chance of succeeding than if you go out there and hire somebody who supposedly already knows how to do it. You're paying them way more money out of the gate, take a lot longer to interview them, you take a lot to hire them, take a lot longer to fire them. The cost of a of getting rid of a bad employee or an underperforming employee is insanely expensive. It is actually a cost savings, although you're incurring the investment on the front end to bear this burden of education. So from a capitalist perspective, I can make an argument for it. Um, I could also make an argument that I just think it's kind of the right thing to do, but I also think that that's where you're going to get the best. Because I, I think like some of the smartest kids, some of the most motivated, they're not the ones that are, uh, they're, they're the ones who are thinking, you know, maybe I can do this on my own, right? You know, and, but, and who will, but who will take me on, right? If you're the company that raised your hand says, I'll hire you and I'll teach you how to do this stuff. They'll be far more loyal. I um, guess also great for people. Your, and I guess also for your employees, it's not such a bad thing for them to teach skills because it's going to force them to learn what's the latest and greatest. It forces them to learn. It forces them to systemize. You have these people who are new asking, you know, stupid questions. Uh, and I did throw up the air quotes for those, you know, simply listening because uh, they're asking basic questions, which kind of like, oh yeah, that's, I never thought about it that way. You know, and, and so sometimes you'll you'll adjust. We, be, we learn the most when we teach, right? So I think it's, I think it's really great. It, it is a little bit difficult when somebody's being pulled away from their, day-to-day activities. It is an investment. Not going to pretend that it isn't, but I think that this is the future. It's also the past. It's also the present. Well, well, you know, there's a great, um, there's a great theory of, of learning. I think uh, Frank Shamrock, the mixed martial arts instructor calls this uh, the plus minus equal. To learn something, you need a plus. You need, you need mentors and someone to teach you. You need equals, someone who, people who are going to challenge you, like, you know, peers who you run ideas by and who, you know, test them and so on. And then you need a minus, someone to teach, because not only are you paying it forward, but uh, it's like you just said, it forces you to systematize, it forces you to ask the questions that are important right now. So it actually solidifies the learning that you that you have. And I think that's a good model for education as opposed to 
testing and regurgitating facts and and so on. And that's what you're you're basically saying what should happen now at a at a kind of corporate level or not corporate level, but uh, uh, kind of real world level. Yeah, and, uh, and I do think it, at corporate. I mean, but this is how engineers are trained, right? right? This is how, in oh, many uh, respects, uh, doctors get trained. They go through, you know, an yeah. in, an, an internship. They they don't learn anything. Kind of I mean, they don't learn yeah. like the real. They don't learn how to like cut open sixty thousand bodies like yeah. in medical school. They only do it by doing it. Yeah. But like I'm, a, you know, I was a computer programmer in my first jobs, and I majored in computer science. But I was such a bad programmer at my first job. This is after undergrad and grad school for mm-hmm. computer science. I was such a bad programmer. They had to send me to remedial classes at like this AT&T facility so I could program in the real world. Because when you have to actually deliver, it's a lot different than passing tests. Yeah, so why not just take these kids, whether they're right out of college or the kids out of, who graduate from college but couldn't quite find a job, or heck, take a motivated 18, 19-year-old, right? where they still can be shaped, where they haven't learned a lot of bad habits, bring them into your organization, right? Do what the master electrician did for my dad, right? And what electricians and plumbers are still doing today and, and what doctors and you know engineers are still doing today, but they require the degree. Do that at the small business level. You know, Do that at, at your company. Be willing to, to bring them on. Be willing to invest in their training, invest in them. Know that some of them will leave and go off and do other things. Some of them will stay, and, and in the long run, you're going to have a much better feeder uh, to grow great talent in your so, organization. So, so here's a challenge. Uh, kids don't know this, right? They don't know that you or I or maybe a thousand other companies out there are willing to kind of um, take on the burden of educate, educating them, you know, for our own selfish reasons, but also for altruistic reasons. So I wonder if there's some way to kind of um, make like a... Uh, pact or organization where we kind of say out loud as a group, uh, hey, uh, one of your choices is now us and we're willing to, uh, because it's not actually a burden, there's selfish reasons for us too. I wonder if there's a way we could kind of communicate across the transom of kind of, you know, the social need for for education to two parents and kids that we're here also, that we're a choice. Yeah, let them know that there is an option. I mean, among small businesses aggregating together saying, we would love to hire, you know, your kid and pay them money and teach them a skill so that they don't necessarily have to go to college. Because, I'd love to be a part because of something Because you, like pro- you, you probably, like your curriculum, quote unquote, I put, I'm going to do air quotes also, your curriculum is different than mine. It's different from uh, some pharma company yeah, or I whatever. only know how to teach digital marketing. Right. You know, but, that, but we're really good at it, right? I mean, that's, that's the training that we, that's, that's our product. So it's almost like we all have to... I don't know. This is something to think about. I'm going to think about it because I think there's something here yeah. that we could do because I think part of the challenge really is is kids don't know that there's another option. And if they knew, because I know my 18-year-old doesn't know that there's another option. And if they knew that there was uh, other options, they would consider it. And the parents would would then be in, in the discussion as well. Like, hey, you know, you know Mary or whoever, uh, why don't you consider also this thing where if they accept you, you know, somehow you have to give have a, a burden of acceptance because they feel like they want to be accepted and validated. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this other option that you could potentially apply to where it might be cheaper and you'll learn more things. Like they don't know that yet, so I wonder if there's a way we can think about this. And I, I challenge the listeners to 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 think about this also and give us ideas uh, to how we can we can do this. I feel like there's something there. I, I if if they can come up with some ideas and we can come together, then I'd love to be a part of anything. Come back on a follow-up show and announce our grand plans. Yeah, I like our, that. Our, our evil schemes. 
So Ryan, you've helped me kind of clarify some of my thoughts on college. After 10 or 12 years of, of thinking about this, I think about this a lot, this yeah. issue of, because it's not only college, I also think about this in terms of high school and other forms of education. Like it kind of goes all the way through. Particularly, I encourage people to look at the history of education and it kind of shows you where the roots of a lot of these problems are. Um, but thanks for coming on the podcast. We've known each other for, for years. Uh, uh, I was so happy to participate in your conference last fall. And uh, I hope we continue working together for the next uh, bunch of years. It's been great. It's one of my favorite shows of all. And it's I think, been a pleasure I think we're working being together on, on something. I think our organizations are working on something right now together, right? Are I, our people talking to your people? I think that sounds exactly. so official. Yeah. So thanks once again for coming on my podcast. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. It's about a topic that is so important to me. I'm really glad I had a chance to talk about it with such a smart guy. And I wanted to let you know, I also did another episode with my good friend, Ryan Dice. It's about 20 minutes. We talk all about how you can start your own business today and start making extra income or start building something up on the side so you can leave your job. We also talk about how to believe in your ideas. Millions of people have great ideas, but they don't execute... They don't know how or they're afraid or whatever. And Ryan and I went into a lot of detail in the interview about how to take the first step to get your idea out there in the world. So you can subscribe now to make sure you don't miss it. It's coming out in two days after this one. Thanks and enjoy. Next time on the James Altucher Show. Uh, let's say you were going to start right now. What would you do right now if you were going to start an internet marketing business or an internet commerce business? Yeah, so, and, and, and I think about it as just business. I mean, the internet is a location. Right. What I would do today is, number one, you have to start off with something that's truly a great product. Hopefully that goes without saying. You know, you have to have a product or a service or an idea or something that, that's good and that's meaningful. How do you know what's good, though? Well, you, you got to go out there. I mean, you got to believe in it, right? And, and sometimes you're just delusional. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's so many people sitting there right now listening to this with some amazingly great ideas, but they don't believe in themselves. What can they do? to? to, to what's the first step in having belief in yourself? It's hard for everybody. It is. And I think it's first an acknowledgement that it is hard for everyone, but also an acknowledgement that being extraordinary isn't that hard, isn't that much more work. It's extraordinary. And everyone is so astoundingly ordinary. And so it does take... The hope is that someone just believes enough that they'll take that first step. But sometimes what it takes is somebody believing in them, you know, and doing it. But at the end of the day, look, put something out there. Put a product out there. Put an idea out there. Put a book out there. Write a blog post, right? If, if it gets traction, then it's good. It should be seen. 